Let's stand and give God some praise this morning. In the house of God, aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? To give him praise, give him honor and glory for what he is due. He's worthy of all that we have and all that we can ever give. So let's not hold anything back. Amen. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. We opened the prison doors, we parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. Hey, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We're gonna shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. We won't be quiet. Gonna shout out of your praise. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Cause he hung upon that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet We're gonna shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place And we won't be quiet We're gonna shout out your praise Accepted, holding team by his grace. 
today We won't be quiet We're gonna shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord Our God is surely in this place We won't be quiet We're gonna shout out your praise There's joy in the house of the Lord There's joy in the house of the Lord today And we won't be quiet we shout out of your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out of your praise. This morning, give him glory. I count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now And in the waiting For the same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless your name Oh yes, I Sing for joy when my heart is heavy on my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will count on one thing. For the same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now. In the waiting The same God who's never late Is working all things out You're working all things out Oh yes, I will lift you high In the lowest valley Yes, I will bless 
nothing can stand against. I choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of our names. Nothing can stand against. Oh yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will. Bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will for all my days. Yes, I will. And my soul sings. My soul sings. Yeah. Oh, my soul.
His little song I sing And His every melody Just tell me what moves you Tell me what moves you Is it a fragrance Then I'll pour my oil out Is it a life laid down Then here I give my vows Is it a song I sing Is every melody Just tell me what What moves you? Oh, just tell me. Just tell me what moves you. Whatever you want. Tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. Just tell me what moves you. It's all yours. 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 It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. It all belongs to you. gaze right here in your presence life is where I want to stay oh just dwelling in your house spend my hours and my days on you Every melody 
If you guys can start passing out the elements. Uh, good morning, church family. We've come to the Sunday in the month where we we do communion together. We experience communion. Uh, we do practice open communion here at Life Church. The only requirement really is that you're a believer 
in Jesus, that you're in relationship with him, you know, because there's no way you can take communion and reap the benefits of it if you're not a son or a daughter. But as we were, as Justin was sitting here singing, he was talking about worthy. And, and so I just want to kind of give y'all something the Lord gave me. So I, so my life is extremely busy. I mean, Monday through Sunday, we're always uh, filling our time with just, you know, ministry stuff or work or children. And, you know, the culmination of all three is just we're at this uh, season in our life. We're so busy. And one of my favorite times of the week and you might think I'm going to say Sunday, but I'm not. Because Sunday is. It's like, I love being in the house of the Lord. But, you know, honestly, one of my most uh, beautiful and coveted times of the week is on Saturday mornings. And I'll tell you guys why. Because my wife and I, we don't, you know, we don't get to really uh, have a whole lot of what Pastor Josh would call FaceTime. He uses that term a lot. He said, you know, I want to get some FaceTime with you. And it's just undivided attention. And my wife and I don't really get that throughout the week just because we're so busy and at the end of the day you know it's all right we gotta let's get some sleep because we gotta do it all over again tomorrow and saturday mornings is typically the time where i can sit there we wake up we start stirring about 8 39 and uh we lay there and i just listen to her talk she talks she tells me about her week and uh while she's talking and i don't normally tell her this but i, I become thankful and i think about you know god giving her to me and redeeming my life and she was a huge part of that and it's just there's something so beautiful about watching her speak to me and i get to have communion with her there's a it's uninterrupted the kids are usually still sleeping and it's just it's so precious to me that time and the lord was showing me you know that's a lot like communion with him you know we we take communion because it's a moment to pause to look to look at him for what he's done uh the things he's restored in our life the, the way he he essentially rescued us from an eternity separate separated from him communion is more than just taking a little piece of bread and a little cup and doing a little ritual because the bible says we should do it it's so much more than that the Bible actually warns, it says, if you take it in an unworthy manner, you could potentially be drinking and eating condemnation upon yourself. I think there's a warning in that because it's so instrumental to the life of a believer. Think about it. We get to come together unified in the spirit and we get to take of the, the blood and the body, the bread of Jesus. We get to, and what are we supposed to do? Let me read this real quick. Uh, John 6 verse 53 it said then Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life in you that's a big statement that's about the time that he lost them where everybody else walked away except for Peter and he says will you leave too and Peter's like where are we going to go you have the words of eternal life but it was such a bold statement, but it's a reality for the church. Communion is so instrumental to the body of Christ, but the Lord takes it serious, and so ought we. You know, we take the flesh, we take the bread, and we remember that he was broken, he was beaten, he laid down his life for us. We take the blood, we remember the covenant of the blood. You know, he poured out his entire, every drop was poured out to restore us, to cover us. We're redeemed because of the blood, and he did it all for us. So it's just a simple moment to come together, united, every single person in here, we think about it. Matter of fact, we're going to start right now. Does everybody have your bread with you? 
We're going to do it. We're going to do it together. We're going to be in sync about this. I want everybody to hold the bread up. This represented his body that was broken for us. He is the bread of life. This is what he did for us. He said, you, he said, this is the bread of life. This is what you need. You need to eat of my flesh. You need to eat of what i done for you. So, Lord, we remember this morning. We remember that your body was broken for us, God. Lord, we, right now, if there's anything in our hearts, God, Lord, we don't want to take this in an unworthy manner. If we have any oughts against our brothers or sisters, Lord, if we have any unconfessed sin right now, Lord, we, we bring it to you, Father. Lord, we ask you for forgiveness. And Lord, we say we thank you for your body that was broken, that was beaten for us. We thank you for the bread that came down from heaven. Jesus, you are the restorer of mankind. It's you, and it's because of your body. Let's take the bread together. And then there's the blood. He said, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. I believe he said you must drink it because we don't just need a cover-up. We need a washing on the inside. We need the blood to cover us from the inside and out. And for the remission of sin, it says that he shed his blood. This, you know, this is symbolic of the very thing that qualifies us to come back into the presence of God. It was because of the, because of this, each and every one of us, he looks at us, he looks at us as if we never sinned when you come through the blood. This is how, when he said, be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect, this is how you attain perfection, it's through the blood. It's that you don't walk in unforgiveness and in sin, and you stay, when the G, when Jesus, when the Father looks at you, he sees you through the blood, it's because of the blood. This is how you attain perfection. The blood perfects us. So Father, we thank you for the blood right now. Lord, I thank you for what we couldn't do, you did. Lord, we thank you for the atonement. We thank you for, oh, unconditional love. It's far deeper and greater than we can ever imagine. God, we thank you for the blood, Lord. We ask you to keep us soberly aware of the sacrifice that we can forever be grateful in our hearts. Let's take the cup together. You know, we should never get into a place where that, you know, you can do that at your house too. You guys don't have, we don't have to just do it at church. Um, it gives us moments in time where we stop, we slow down. You, you slow the clocks and you say, Jesus, I'm just going to remember. I'm going to remember what you've done for me. And the more we remember, I believe the more gratitude wells up in our heart. And the more revelation we have of restoration and the free gift that he gave us. Amen. All right. Oh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to transition into the prayer part of the service. Uh, we have three things we want to pray about this morning. The first thing I feel like is uh, it's essential. We need to be praying. So Turkey and Assyria, uh, on February 6th, they were struck with a massive earthquake. Uh, the death toll currently is like 33,000, and they're anticipating it's going to be well, the, the bare minimum is going to be like 50,000 deaths is what they're thinking. Um, but they have people being actually Elliot. Most for you, those of you who know Elliot, him and a team of like five other evangelists, they've been dispatched there. And there's other believers from all over the world that are uh, going in to help them and, and relief efforts and, and and preach the gospel where they can because it's it's actually illegal to preach there. It's it's illegal to evangelize. So we want to pray for them. We want to pray for the people there, uh, for the people that God is sending there. That God. Um, 
I saw we were praying in, in, in the intercessory group early and I saw the Lord uh, over Syria and Turkey. He, he dropped the microphone from the ceiling and, and it's like, if I'm talking to you like this or I'm talking to you like this, there's a big difference. You hear what's being said through the microphone. And I, he showed me a picture of the word of the Lord being declared into a microphone over that region. So we're just going to pray that he's going to uh, have his way in that place. And those people would have every provision they need. That Jesus would be glorified. That people would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And that the ones he sent there as the hands and feet. That his protection and provision would be over them. Another thing we're going to pray for is that God would release a greater demonstration of the gifts of the Spirit in Life Church. Uh, he's been stirring prophecy and words. Pastor Bob gave my daughter a word a couple of weeks ago. We've been seeing him move in a certain capacity, but we want more. We want everything he has, so we're going to pray for that. We're also going to pray that God draws the lost, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus, God, that every need that's being met over Syria and Turkey, God, Lord, that you're doing it, you're providing for it, Lord. We thank you that the provision and protection over the people, the people that you have dispatched, God, to go as your frontline soldiers, God, we thank you that you are providing everything they need. And Lord, we pray for a mass harvest over that region, God. We pray that, God, the people who have been stony-hearted, God, that you would give them a heart of flesh. God, we pray for a great awareness. God, we pray for a shaking at the core of the region. We pray, God, that you would give your teams uncommon favor with the uh, with the, the the representatives that that cause that make the rules and, and and everything in that city, God, in those states and countries. Lord, we pray that you would give them uncommon favor with those people, God. Lord, we pray that that you would give provision where there's lack. God, we pray that salvations would come. We pray the preaching of the gospel would come in a powerful way. Lord, we pray for healing, signs, wonders, miracles. Lord, we pray that you would restore families. And Lord, we pray that that place would be forever marked for the kingdom of God and that you would have your way over there, God. And we pray that you would stir us throughout the coming weeks to continue to remember to pray for them. And Lord, we pray in Life Church, God, that you would release a greater level of signs, wonders, and miracles, that the gifts of the Spirit would flow in such a powerful capacity, God, not to elevate man, but God, that you would be glorified, that people would get healings, that people would get freedom and liberty from depression, anxiety, fear, suicidal spirits, all those things, God, from addictions, God. We pray that the gifts of the Spirit would be released, God, that people would get baptized in the Holy Spirit in our house, God, with evidence of speaking in tongues, Lord, they would be empowered by the Spirit, God, that you would cause your people to be awakening because the gifts that you're releasing, God. We thank you that your demonstrations are in power, not of words of wisdom or eloquent speech, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you, God, that you're doing it in this place. And Lord, we pray that you would draw the lost to this house, draw the lost to the people of this tribe, God, as we go about our day. Lord, we pray that you would open up the understanding of your people to speak into situations pertaining to those who don't know you yet. God, we pray that you would send your, your lost sheep uh, to this house, God, that we may tend to them, that you can do what you want in their life, and you can launch them out as missionaries back to their families, back to their cities that they come from. Lord, we don't want to hoard people here. Lord, we want to prepare people. We want to introduce them to the King. We want to be responsible with them, God. But we want to send them out, God, to go back into the harvest fields and bring in those who don't know you yet. God, that you would thrust the sickle of evangelism over this city, God, and you would draw the lost. 
We thank you for that, God. We thank you that the power of God is moving in this nation and it's moving in other nations. We thank you that the reign of heaven is resting over this house, God. And we are moving in the gifts and the signs and the wonders. And we thank you for that. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who says amen, says amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. Say good morning. All right. Welcome to Life Church. If you guys want to take about 15 to 30 seconds, go shake a hand, give somebody a hug. In the name of the Lord, we believe in fellowship in this house. Amen. I haven't got to tell my pastor good morning. Good morning, pastor. What a beautiful sight. Man, unity. Hallelujah. Justin, worship team, thank you guys. All right. Well, good morning once again. We are so glad to have you guys here at Life Church. Uh, I know we have some visitors. We have regular attendees. So we have the phone number, 337-317-4123. This is a fantastic idea that the pastors here came up with. Uh, this is just to keep the body in communication to help us distribute information. So if you are a newcomer, please text the word welcome to 337 337- 317-4123, and we can get you, uh, we'll send you a thing to get you connected to the body of Christ here. We also have a gift for you in the Welcome Center. That's that little area right whenever you walk in in the front. Please come up there, and we'd love to get you guys a gift. Now, if you guys are a member of Life Church and you have not yet, yet texted the word connect to that number, please text connect to it as soon as you can. We want to get you informed. I'm telling you, information, it, it just it gets lost in translation. People are busy. Sometimes they, they forget to communicate. Sometimes we're limited on how we communicate. But we want to take advantage of this avenue that we have to keep the body of Christ informed. Amen? So if you are a member here, I can't stress this enough, please text the word CONNECT to that. And Miss Lynn is going to send you a card back to fill out, and then you'll just send it back to her, and you'll be kept in the know. You'll be kept in the loop with all the the things, the events, and everything that's coming up, okay? Also, if you have a prayer request, text the word PRAY to the phone number, 337-317-4123. Uh, Miss Christina, she, she gave us a powerful testimony about all the prayers that were happening in her life because of a personal situation going on. She told us about it this morning, and I'm telling you, it was because she had people to pray for her. She knew there was different avenues, different people in her life, prayer text groups, so she she, she reached out, and people were praying for her, and she said she could actually literally feel the prayers over her family. That's powerful. Amen? So if you guys have a prayer request, text the word pray to that number, and we, we commit to you that we will pray for you, whatever the need, be, the need may be. Amen? Okay. Friday is... Friday, it's uh, February the 24th. We will be launching life groups. Amen? 
So if you want to know more information about those life groups, please go to the, the Welcome Center and you can get whatever information you need. We're going to be putting the leaders out there. You can sign up. Whatever information you need about the life groups, you can find it out there and we're excited about it. Also, March the 10th through the 11th, we have an marriage uh, conference. Mr. Greg and Nancy Davis, they're going to be coming in. So the Friday night, basically what's going to happen is we're going to have a dinner in the evening and then Saturday it's going to break out into small groups and they're going to have different sessions. Uh, I'm excited about it. I told you guys I love marriage councils, uh, conferences. So if you guys are interested in being part of that marriage conference, please sign up and, and come and be blessed in the name of the Lord. Amen? Also, we're going to be putting together... I'm sorry. We need, we need a team to help us get ready for this, this conference. We have to set up. There's going to be preparations we need for that weekend. So there's going to be a sign-up sheet in the foyer. We need a volunteer team to help us get ready for this conference. Look, we should be knocking down doors to serve if we have the opportunity. I understand everybody can't always serve in every capacity, but we have enough people uh, present at this church where no need should ever go uh, being unmet. So if you guys have a desire to serve and help to get that conference ready, please sign up at that sheet in the foyer. Amen? Also, Women's Retreat, March 17th through 18th. The registration is $85. I have to put an emphasis on this. The spots are filling up very quickly. So if you guys are interested in being part of that women's conference, you better hurry up and get your spot because you may just get left out. We don't want that to happen, right? Y'all don't want to be left out, right? No. All right. All right. Also, the Light and Life class, I, I announced it uh, to start on March 18th. That's actually incorrect because they have the woman's thing that's going on. So we're going to move it back one week, it's going to be actually March 25th is going to be the first session. So if you guys are interested in being part of the Light and Life Evangelism team, it's a six-week course. Uh, the sign-up sheet is in the foyer. It's every Saturday for six weeks from 10 to 1130. And that also includes outreaches that we plan so that you can get acclimated to doing ministry. It's really what it is. You're just ministering to people. Uh, we believe that the body of Christ needs to be equipped to reach out to those who don't know him yet. I mean, every single person person in here, you were in some way, shape, or form evangelized. That's how you came to know Jesus. So we want to, we don't want to be bench warmers. We want to be the ones that go out and bring the loss in. Amen. Because if they would have been bench warmers on us, we'd all be going to hell right now. And we don't want to be that. Okay. All right. Also, we have prayer teams. There's a couple of different prayer ministries. Right before service, there's an hour of prayer. If you have a burden to pray, please come at 930 on Sunday mornings. If you can't make it then, we're praying on Wednesday nights. The church needs to be praying, and we are looking for people to be empowered through prayer so that the church can do what she was called to do. And we also, every other Tuesday, and this Tuesday will be the one we meet at 630, we meet in that little room. So if you want to come and be part of that prayer ministry as well, we invite you to come and help us bombard heaven so that we can snatch uh, souls out of hell. Amen? All right. We are a church who believes in giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6 through 8. It says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. We have four ways to give. You can use the website. That's the avenue that I use. You can also use the app. You can use the boxes on the wall. But we also have uh, 
text to give. Yes, I, I get confused by the text to give, but it is available. You have those four avenues. Listen, I, I want to emphasize it says do not give under compulsion. Don't do that. You miss an opportunity to grow in, in what God wants to do in your heart. Let the Lord lead you, encouraging you, and start. I, man, just... I love giving. I love being excited about giving, but I never want to give under the wrong motive because you miss the opportunity to grow and be stretched by it. Amen? All right. And I think that's it. Pastor Bob? Pastor Bob told me to keep this short, and I will, but I've uh, been extremely burdened all night long. I want to read you something most of you have already read probably a hundred times plus and understand it, but something is really burning in my heart, Holy Ghost, and I appreciate Bob telling us this, that it's not the Holy Ghost, it's Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, and, and I've really tried to get that in my repertoire or his wording, but Jesus one day, he and his disciples, and I want you to listen to this carefully, especially the body of Christ, he and his disciples got in a boat, and he said, let's go across the lake, and he said, and off they went. It was smooth sailing, he fell asleep, a terrific storm came up and suddenly on the lake, and water started pouring in the boat, and they were about to capsize, and they all woke Jesus up and said, Master, Master, we're going to drown. Jesus, getting to his feet, he told the wind, Silence in the waves, quit. Immediately they went down. The lake became smooth as glass. But then the disciples, that's, this is the part here. Jesus said to them, why can't you trust me? Why can't you trust me? All of a sudden, all the disciples, they were just staggered, stammering. Who is this anyway? He calls out to the winds and the seas, and they do exactly what he tells them to do. Body. We've been called to do something. We're praying. I thank God for the intercessors that come every Sunday morning and pray. I thank Pastor Tiger, Pastor Josh, Pastor Bob, everyone who's involved in any facet of ministry here in the body of Christ. I thank God for you. But we're disciples of Christ. We proclaim we're disciples of Christ. But yet some of us still don't trust Jesus. How can that be? The same way the disciples, they walked with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw everything he did. When he spoke his word of power, things happened. But yet they still, when they were in the boat and the storm came up, they cried out, We're going to drown! I want to speak forth this morning. We're not drowning, folks. You want to see revival start and people be revived in Christ? Trust Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 Trust Jesus. 
Some of you are going through some battles today, and you're still not trusting Jesus. But my children are lost. Trust Jesus. But we're not seeing growth. Trust Jesus. We're not seeing the spiritual gifts move in the body like we're praying for. Trust Jesus. Some of you are hurting this morning because of your lack of trust. Oh, you love Jesus, but your trust is not there. I have no idea what pastor's going to minister on this morning, but I know this. If you're failing in your trust in Jesus right now, come to the altar and repent. Repent and trust Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'll talk to you this morning about uh, promises that God makes to the humble. Last week I talked about pride being the greatest hindrance to prayer. I know we would think, oh, the devil, no, he's interfering, or my lack of faith, or whatever, but I think we easily saw that pride is the greatest hindrance to answered prayers. And so I wanted to take the other side of that because I talked about the fact that pride is the sin, the greatest sin, because where did we first see pride committed? In heaven. And, we, and it was with Lucifer. And we said if sin can break out in heaven, how much more can it even be possible here on earth? And so the opposite of pride is humility. And we just briefly talked about that a little bit, but I want to take that a little bit further this morning, and I'll be quick about it because I'm aware of the time. But there are, there are certain promises, and this is not exhaustive in any way, but there are certain promises that God makes to the humble. And we're, we're going to quickly look at what that means biblically um, and, and what biblical humility is and what it is not. And then real quick, about five or six promises that God promises to the humble. Humility is a big deal to God. I know it may not seem like it, but the, there's times even throughout the scripture where, when, that God gave mercy when people humbled themselves before God. In fact, there's, there's an account even in 1 Kings where an evil king repented and humbled himself before God, before the word that came to him, and God withheld the wrath that he was going to bring against him because that man humbled himself. And so God makes all kinds of promises to us. So I want to quickly get into this. What is biblical humility? Because I'm not interested in what the world thinks humility is. What is, what is the biblical standard? What's the simple biblical standard? And, 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 and from Holman's Bible Dictionary, if you don't know there's such a thing, there is. There's a Bible, there are different Bible dictionaries. But Holman's Bible Dictionary simply says that humility is the personal quality of being free from arrogance and pride and having an accurate estimate of one's worth. 
So biblical humility is expressed with genuine gratitude, a lack of arrogance, and a modest view of oneself. Okay, I'm going to come back to that last part in just a moment. But biblically, but the Bible even goes a little bit further and describes that Proverbs 3 and 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. We quote this all the time and we talked about it. Uh, Brother Bobby just talked about it. trust in the Lord. We have to trust in the Lord. But this is actually a great summation of, biblic, of the biblical meaning of humility because to be, first of all, to be humble biblically, we must first believe that God is and that God is who he says he is. I mean, to, we have to believe in God and we have to believe who he says he is or there is no way to be humble before God. I mean, if you don't believe in God, guess what? You're, you're arrogant and full of pride because you're putting yourself ahead of God. Um, it's the idea of the creator versus the creation. It's, it's like, you know, who is the, the potter and we're the clay. The clay doesn't get a say of how the, the potter is going to make him. Okay, I mean, pride wants to put ourselves before God. William Law said, you can have no greater sign of confirmed pride than when you think you're humble enough. <laughs> it makes sense, doesn't it? I'm as humble as I need to be. Yeah, that's pride right there. So really the first step in becoming humble before God is to acknowledge that God is supreme, okay? So we have, to, we have to acknowledge that. The second thing is, but how does the Bible define the meaning of humble? Because I'm guaranteed if we went around this room and asked every person to give us like a short phrase or sentence or an idea of what humble means, what would you, how would you describe it? So I, look, I just go, I, let me just start with Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, okay? And here's, here's how they say it. Humility, they said, is, the, is freedom from pride or arrogance, the quality or state of being humble. Okay, humility is being humble. But that still doesn't tell me what that is. So I go and look and say, what is humble? If I'm supposed to be in the state of being humble, what does it mean to be humble? And they said, not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive, okay? But Proverbs takes that a step further. Because Proverbs 22 and 4 says, humility is the fear of the Lord. It's wages and riches and honor and life. So it goes on and says that, that the direct explanation in the Bible is humility is the fear of the Lord. It consists of acknowledging God. It consists of trusting God. It consists of following his ways. Look, to say that you know God, but you don't follow him, you're not a follower of Christ. You're just a spectator who's watching from afar, okay? But it can... It, it, it concludes something else. When you look at this, look what it says. Humility is the fear of the Lord. In other words, to acknowledge God, trust God, follow his ways, but understand that the consequences 
the fear of the consequences of neglecting his commands of truth and love and mercy and all that is the nature of God. That is the fear of the Lord. Understanding the fear of the... The fear of the Lord is not that he's a mean God or anything like that, but understand that there's a, there's a side there that if I choose to ignore his commands and ignore his word and ignore his ways, that there will be consequences of that. Okay? So... Before I go on any further, I want to address this because I've seen this for years in ministry, even just in my own Christian walk, I've seen it with people and what humility is not. Because in our minds, we have this idea of humility is humbling oneself and, oh, what was me? Oh, I'm never, you know. No, let me tell you what humility is not. Humility is not beating yourself up or engaging in negative self-talk or being filled with self-loathing. And the list could just go on and on and on and on. Because remember, we said that it said, the Bible dictionary said, and said having an accurate uh, uh, estimate of one's worth. All right? And this is the balance that here. If, if a person is arrogant and assertive and boastful and everything, we obviously recognize that as pride. Okay? But there is an opposite side to it. And, and the reality is that humility is, is to help us recognize where we stand in our relationship with God. We're going to see in just a moment, the Bible says, humble yourself under the hand of God. Humbly walk with God. Okay, all of those things. It, it, humility is not beating ourselves up. Humility is not putting ourselves down. Humility is not like, woe is me, woe is me, beating ourselves on the chest. I'm a no good, I'm nobody, I'll never be anything. Oh, I'm just a poor nothing. Can I tell you something? That's not what humility is. Basically, humility is knowing God and knowing who you are in God, and knowing that you belong to God. It's who you are and whose you are, okay? And, and that, is, that is so key because, yeah, people say, well, the Bible says that God wants us to have a humble heart. Yes, Psalms 51 and 17. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart, O oh God, you will not despise. But it is not God's intention to re that we remain face down, discouraged, drowning in the muck and mire of our sin, our past failures. That's not what it's all about. James 4 and 10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. When we humble ourselves, it's not so that we're, oh, I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody. Oh, no, 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 I'm just, oh, don't call on me, I can't do anything. No, that's what the devil does. He's the one that beats you down. He's the one that tells you you're nothing. He's the one that tells you you're a mistake. He's the one that tells you you'd be better off dead. He's the one that tells you that you're, you'll never amount to anything. God, the word says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. 
So we need to understand what genuine humility is and understand that the purpose of walking humbly, walking in humility, is so that God can lift us up. When we humbly walk before God, he will lift us up. We need to see ourselves as God sees us. I remember many years ago, I don't remember the writer and singer right now, I could see him playing the piano many, many years ago, and he came out with a song, he says, and I remember he said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And he just, this beautiful song, and he sang about all the things of who we are in Christ. We need to have a balance of that. The Bible says, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. It doesn't say don't think of yourselves in a proper manner. It says just don't see yourself elevated higher than you really are. In other words, in him I live and move and have my being. Without him I am nothing. But I am in him so therefore I have life. And therefore I have a relationship. And therefore he knows me by name. That I can, I can count on. That I can live by every day. So I say this because there's a danger and, there, and, and that is to beware of false humility. Can you see that? Yeah, okay, you can see that. Be, beware of false humility. You say, what is false humility? Guarantee you, you've seen it, and some of you have probably done it. False humility is where someone is always putting themselves down in front of others. Or they always state their own inabilities to others. They always say, oh, I, I, I don't know. I could never do as good as so-and-so. Call on them. Oh, they're so good. I, I could never do that. Or, or a person who always remembers their past failures and go, you know, I failed so many times, and I thank Jesus he's forgiven me, but uh, I failed so many times. Or they exhibit this low self-esteem kind of thing and this isn't pop psychology or anything like that they think that by doing that they're being humble but in all actuality it's a form of pride because all they're doing is drawing attention to themselves so the proudful person we we recognize them and I say oh I'm the best I'm the greatest I'm this you can't live without me you'd be lucky to have me on your team you know that kind of thing and the other person is like, I'm a nobody, I'm a nobody, I'm a, oh no, no, I wish I could sing like so-and-so, I wish I could do that, I wish I could do that, I wish. All they're doing is drawing attention to themselves, and that's a reverse form of pride. Balance is what we're talking about. Remember who we are and whose we are. And live within that realm with that understanding. And just as the person boasts about themselves. So either way, it's pride. So let me look. Why is humility important? I said it was important to God. Why is it important? Let's go back to James 4 and 6. Because the importance of humility is directly related to the deadly consequences of pride. The importance of humility is in direct 
relation to the deadly consequences of pride. So if pride, God's word says, God resists the proud. Remember that? We looked at that last week. God wants nothing to do with the proud. The consequence of being proud, prideful is that God rebukes us. God pushes away from us. God has nothing to do with this. So the importance of humility is that if I'm full of pride, then I, then I can't have even a relationship with God. So if I walk in humility, I can have a relationship with God. It's just that simple. It's why God says it's important. Pride separates us from God. And when we, we're prideful, prideful, we fail to acknowledge that God is the very source of our life. Micah 6 and 8, one of the first verses. I don't know why. I, I, I think because years ago when we used to sing songs that were set to scripture, this is one of the first scripture songs that I learned. In Micah 6 and 8, the scripture goes on and says, He has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk humbly. Walk in recognition that he is God. He is sovereign. His ways are best. And that we, but we have a relationship. He calls us his child. When we, when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, and we, and we give room in our life for Christ to come in and the Holy Spirit comes in, we're brought into his family, we are able to walk humbly in our heart with God. The devil would say, who do you think you are? You're not worthy. You failed God so many times, he's probably thrown you away. He would never let you come into his presence. That's not what the Bible tells us. Because of our relationship, if we walk humbly recognizing who he is and who we are in him, that we can have that relationship, we can come into his presence. So to walk humbly, humility is important. That with deep gratitude, we properly recognize God's holiness and his love for us. And some people have a hard time with that. They see God is so holy that they can never measure up. And that God could, couldn't possibly love them. You know why? Because we're so familiar with our own failings. But humility is having a proper understanding that with great gratitude, God, I thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I don't deserve it, but I'm so eternally grateful for your grace towards me. I recognize he's a holy God, but I also recognize that he loves us. He sought you out. Look at your neighbor and tell him, he sought you out. He, he came looking for you. You didn't come and find him. He came and found you. Okay? 
So to walk humbly with God is to submit to do God's will, to surrender every part of our lives. So what are some of the promises that God makes to the humble? This is just a few, but these are some of my favorite things. And, 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 and the first one is that he promises to rescue us, in t- the humble, in times of trouble. Psalms 18, 27 says, You save the humble, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. The New Living Translation puts it this way. It says, You rescue the humble, but you humiliate the proud. You remember last week I said, I said It's really not biblical to pray, God make me humble. Because I said, it's not God's job to humble you, but God can humiliate you. But the Bible says we are to humble ourselves. What does the Bible say here? He will rescue the humble, but he'll humiliate the proud. But he tells us, don't be proud. Humble yourselves. If we walk humbly before God, then God doesn't have to humiliate us. He doesn't have to bring us to that place. And, and, and the Bible clearly says we're supposed to humble ourselves. God promises to save those who are humble. He'll save you. And you say, well, I've been dr- seeming like I'm drowning over here. Where is God going to save you? In his time. In his season. There's a lesson for you somewhere, somehow. I mean... That's just the way it is. The three young Hebrew men, they threw in the furnace. He said, our God is able to deliver us and save us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Sometimes we have to be brought to that place where we, where we really learn. I, I've said it, but now I know it. That's where I'm at. We find strength when we overcome certain trials. We want God to deliver us from the trouble. We want God to deliver us, and there are times that he does. But can I tell you, there are times that when we look ahead at certain things that are coming down the road in our life, it's just natural to get weary. Come on, am I talking to anybody out there that understands what I'm saying? I mean, we can be strong in faith, but we, we just look and we're like, is it ever going to end? And we get weary inside. And can I tell you, but God has promised he will rescue the humble. He will either rescue you from the affliction or he'll walk with you through it. But he will rescue you. The second promise that God makes to the humble is that he He promises to guide and teach the humble. Psalms 25 and 9. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. As we humble ourselves before God, we will find that God reveals to us where we should go, what we should say, or can I say, and do, or not say and not do. Sometimes there's a big decision before us. Sometimes it's just simple day-by-day guidance. Nothing supernatural. At least it doesn't seem that way, but it can have an incredible impact on our life. In humility, we open our hearts to the guidance that God wants to 
provide us with. And we say, well, well God, why do, why, do, why do I keep making bad choices? Why do I keep making bad decisions? Are you actually submitted and humbling yourself towards God? Are you totally submitted? Because it takes total surrender to truly listen and open to be open to God's prompting. Listen. We've all been there. We feel God's prompting, his direction, him speaking, and we go, oh no, I don't want to do that. And so then we go, we're kind of like the child that goes around and goes, la, 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 I can't hear you, ha, la, 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 la. Go ahead and keep doing that. And what happens? You go make bad choices. And can I tell you, bad choices have consequences. Okay, I mean, that's just the way it is. But if we fully surrender our life to God and humble ourselves, we'll find the direction and the guidance that he wants for you. How many of you believe God is not against you? God is for you. It's one of the first verses I read in the scripture. The first verse I ever read in the Bible, because I was brought up in a church that said, don't read the Bible, you'll get, it'll, it'll mess up your life. And my life was so messed up without the Bible, I thought I couldn't, you can't get any worse. And I opened my, I remember I took the family Bible to my bedroom, closed the door, kicked my two brothers out, closed the door, locked it. And I said, God, if this is your word, talk to me. And I just opened it. Thank goodness it wasn't that verse where it says Judas went out and hanged himself, you know. <laughs> but I opened it and it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And whoo, I got the freeze all come on you me. You know, I was like, <gasps> and I closed that book and I was like, <sighs> he's the same as he was before. Could it be? And I remember I sat there and looked at that book for a couple minutes and finally I opened it up again. And there it was. There, 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 there was God's word sitting there looking at me again. And I was like, he's speaking to me. He's giving me direction. How can this be? Because for the first time, I'd taken myself off the throne of my life and asked God to come sit on the throne of my life. We have to totally surrender for his guidance and his direction. The third thing that God does promises for the humble is that he gives grace. Gives grace. Grace is almost always mentioned with the promise of a person who is humble or exhibits humility. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 34 says, God mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. The word grace there means favor. Now see, I don't know what came into your mind when you thought of grace. Some of you probably thought of like a graceful dancer. You know, that I'll never be. <laughs> you know, some, some of you probably thought, dear Lord, we thank you. We're giving you grace for our meal. You know, no. The word that is used there is, is the word that means favor. In the New Testament, we have two verses, James chapter 4 and verse 6 and 1 Peter 5 and 5, and they say exactly the same thing. It says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. 
It's amazing that the, the, the scripture we just read over in Proverbs in, in Hebrew means favor. Over here in the New Testament, that word here means favor or kindness. So God gives favor or kindness to the humble. It's a picture. In fact, it's a word picture. I don't know if you've ever studied word pictures, but it's a picture of one who's leaning towards someone. Have you, have you ever heard somebody say, I think you're just favoring them because you're, you're leaning, you're closer to them. You, you're, you're on their side. That's the picture here, that the, God opposes the proud, but God favors the humble. He's leaning towards me. He, he wants to show his favor. He wants to show his kindness to us. When we forsake pride and look to the Lord, we receive a, a, a unique measure of God's grace. When we surrender our control, our desire for control, when we surrender our hope to accomplish things in our own strength, when we, we, we surrender our grasp on our life, our dreams, our ambitions, all of those things, God will provide us with profound favor. I pray it all the time over every one of you in here. Every week I pray multiple times, God, let your favor go before the, the people at Life Church. God, let your favor go before them. Let them find favor with those that they come in contact with. God, open doors of favor. I pray that all the time. But if you're proud and like, I'm going to do this my way, there's no door of favor. In fact, the Bible says God opposes you. I don't know about you. That's not one fight I want to get in. I don't want God against me. I, how many, I need every, I need God for me. And when I read that second time, opened the Bible and read it, and it said, God is for me, he's not against me, I was like, get out the front door. He's for me? Because I raised my whole life that God was against me. Every bad thing that ever happened to me, I was told that was God's way of getting, you know, punishing me. I just saw God as this big old man, white beard, and he had a big club that had lightning bolts that came out of it. And every, he just waited for me to get out of line so he could go, whammo! That I, did, I truly believed that growing up. That's what, because I was always taught. Why did this happen? They said, God's getting you back for what you did. God's getting you back for what you did. God's getting you back. I used to sell insurance. Read any insurance policies, property, casualty policy. There's always the thing called acts of God. Acts of God are tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, lightning, you name, all these terrible things. Those are called acts of God. And, and, and so we have this negative idea that God's, that God's against us. No, God's leaning to me. If I'm walking humbly with him, he's, he wants to show his favor. He's on my side. Uh, wisdom. The fourth promise, God gives wisdom. Wisdom. Proverbs 11 and 2. When pride comes... Then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. 
It's a tandem kind of thing. In surrender and humility, God, it's like as if I walk humbly with him, he leans over and gives wisdom that's beyond my own years, my own mind, my own thinking. Wisdom is more than knowledge. I mentioned this last week. You can have knowledge and not be wise. I know people, they may have a PhD, but they're not smart enough to come in out of the rain. And I know people who never finished school, but they got enough wisdom not to hold up a metal rake in the middle of a lightning storm. See, knowledge is one thing. Wisdom is another. But knowledge and wisdom combined brings understanding. And that's what we need. As we grow in God, we learn from our mistakes. We learn from God's word. We learn from teachers of the word. We learn many things. We can have knowledge. But until we have wisdom of how to apply the knowledge. See, the Bible says that this is a sword. This word is a sword. It's mightier than any two-edged sword. All right? But I've seen people from the pulpit use this, this Bible to cut people up and shred them. It's not meant to destroy. It's meant to be like a surgical scalpel to help remove the sickness or disease or cancer that is there. And on the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached, it says they were pierced in their hearts and they cried out, what must we do to be saved? We have to have wisdom how to apply the knowledge and that gives us understanding of what God wants to do. It's so much more than knowing God's will. It's more than knowing God's truth and how to apply it. It's knowing God's love in every situation. And the last promise is that God bestows honor. Well, I don't know if this is the last one. Maybe there's one more. This one, this one caught me by surprise. God bestows honor. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 15, 33. The fear of the Lord teaches a man wisdom and humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18 and 12. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. Well, there it is again, honor. In fact, there's, there's more verses. I've just given you two of them. With humility comes honor. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of humility or being humble, I don't think about honor. Because when we say we want to honor somebody, it's kind of lift them up, you know, point them out or, you know, give them, attribute something to them or whatever. But true honor starts with God alone. We honor God. We put him first. Here's what shocked me. And I, you know what I love about this Bible? There's always something new to learn. This, this year, February 28th, this month, I'll have, met, I'll have known the Lord 53 years. And I just learned this this week. Because I'm looking at this word honor in, in Proverbs. I've never thought about it. But humility comes before honor. The word honor 
is the same exact word that is used in the Hebrew text for God's glory. The kabod. It's the same word. That threw me off. Because I, I, I think of the, I mean, I've been taught for years and I've experienced times when the, the kabod, the weightiness, that's what it means, the heaviness or the weightiness of his presence comes in. The glory just, whoosh. if you haven't seen it, um, the last week or so at Asbury University up in Wilmore, Kentucky, revivals broke out again on the campus. And I, I was around in 1970 when it happened, and it had a mighty impact in the early days of the charismatic renewal. But God just showed up again in a chapel service, and, and he's t overtaken the whole all the classes have been canceled. 24 hours a day, they're in there repenting and praying and confessing sin and, and all that. You know what happened? They said, it was not planned. You can't plan that. But the, the glory of God, the kabod, the, the weightiness of God's presence showed up in chapel. And God began to move and students began running to the altars. And, and, and if you're not aware of it, I, I'll put a link on our, our Facebook, private Facebook page where you can go, go watch and what happened in 1970. In fact, it was February of 1970, 53 years ago, that revival broke out at Asbury and it impacted every state and nation around the world. And now it's happening again. The weightiness of God's presence, God just... But oh, I wish I could talk about it, man. I woke up thinking about this. I was oh, 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 I want to talk about this. It didn't just happen by accident. Learned just the other day that there was a group of students that started getting together and praying in the morning and praying in the evening every single day for a move of God. And that's been going on for weeks. And suddenly, God shows up in a chapel service. The weightiness of God, the kabod, the glory of God. And I thought, well, Lord, how can this be the same word? That, that glory is due to your name, but it also means honor. It's like, it's like having a meeting where a distinguished dignitary comes in. And we give them the seat. Or we give them the platform. And, and, and because of the weightiness of who they are comes in, we recognize them. Does that make sense? And so God is saying here, he's saying, remember God promises to the humble, he will lift up. And so God will bestow honor. It, it, the word honor here it, in, in the way it's used means external measures, blessings, dignity, position. The Bible says if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, learn to serve. The only way to go up is go down. Oh, I feel a Holy Ghost. 
God wants to be, God wants his church to be lifted. He wants to raise up a, a people. He wants to pour out his power. He wants his presence to be exalted. But he's got to find people who will humble themselves. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. We can pray for a revival, but until we humble ourselves. And I talked about fasting, how it's one of the greatest ways of humbling ourselves. Because what we're doing is we're humbling ourselves before an almighty God. And we say, you and you alone can change my life. You and you alone can make my family whole. You and you alone can change my school. You and you alone can change my city. Only you, God, can do it. And oh God, I'm so desperate for you to do it I'm willing to do without a food I'm ready to pray I'm calling on you oh God and when God finds a people like that he will pour out his blessings he will dignify them with his presence in a manifested form where the weightiness of his glory comes and he will exalt you in due season. But can I tell you, his purpose of exalting is not for you or me to glorify ourselves. It's to give glory to him. We don't live to get that glory. We live to bring glory to him. And when we live in that manner, then God bestows honor on us as his children. Now think about this. In the same way that we would reward, if I can use that word, it's a bad word, probably poor choice of word, but in the same way that we would bestow blessing or reward our children for living rightly, God will do the same to those who live humbly. The last one is that God will lift us up. I read it earlier, 1 Peter 5 and 6. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. James 4 and 10. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. When we humble ourselves before God, he promises that he will lift us up in his timing. In his season. He will not lift us up until we're ready. Listen. There is a difference. I did not say unless you're deserving. I said unless you're ready. In the same way you wouldn't hand the keys to your car. To your six year old child. And say go bring the car around by the front door of the church. If you do. We're going to have a talk. Right? We wouldn't do that. Why? Because they can't handle it. And God will not lift you up until you can handle it. Because to be lifted up and we can't handle it, we'll be filled with pride. And God has but one choice, and that's to bring us low. 
as we submit to his leading and his will, then he can lift us up no matter how difficult our circumstances, no matter how trying our testimony, and no matter how fearful the future may seem, you can rely on the promise that if you are humble, living humbly before God, he will, say will, will, he will lift you up. We're told multiple times, humble yourselves before God. And I thought, well, what are some common things? And I didn't have a handout or anything. I just wrote these down this morning. As I got up early this morning, I couldn't sleep. And I was, this was on my mind. And so, uh, what is, how, how do we live humbly? How do we walk humbly? Be thankful to God. Be thankful to others. Confess our sins regularly. If we confess our sins, let's not hold on to them for three or four, five, six, seven days until the conviction is so bad we can't take it anymore. It's, it's run to God. Don't run away, run to God. When you fail, acknowledge it. You know why? Because if we fail to acknowledge when we failed, then we're filled with pride. And then move on. How many of you have never made a mistake? Let me see your hand. I was going to say, putting your hand up is the first mistake you've made. <laughs> Don't worry about status. Don't compare yourselves to others. Swallow your pride. Some of us got to swallow harder than others. Ask questions. You know why we don't ask questions? Because we're prideful. Humble ourselves enough to ask of others who may know who can help. Consider others before ourselves. I, I, I got up early this morning and, and was in prayer before the Lord about this. And I happened to read part of an email of a missionary that he told this back in 1906. Okay, so a long time ago. Even I wasn't around. I want to read part of this to you because it fits, and this is the closing. And then we're going to have an altar call. He said, in the autumn of 1906, I was preparing to set out to see what could be done about reviving the outstations. That's what they called missionary outposts where they had, you know, potential churches and things. He said, there was a matter, however, between a brother missionary and myself that I had to make right. He said, I honestly felt that I was right. You hear that? He said, nevertheless, I felt it would please the Lord for me to go and make this matter absolutely straight. But I argued with God, saying it was the other missionary's fault, not mine, and that it was up to him to come to me and not for me to go to him. I know you've never argued with God. He said, but the pressure continued until I cried out to the Lord saying he came to my study in tears and confessed his fault doesn't that settle the matter he's arguing with God and he said I heard you hypocrite 
He said, I seem to hear that. He said, you know you are not loving each other as brethren as I have commanded you to do. He said, still I would not yield. Then came the final word from the Lord. Can I tell you, a final word is a scary place to be. I don't know if you've ever been there. I will never forget one Sunday morning in North Louisiana where I was pastoring. God had given me a word to speak to my church. And I stayed up that most of the night begging, please don't make me preach this word. And I laid in front of the altar and I heard Holy Spirit say, Preach what you want. He said, but I'll take my anointing off you. I cannot tell you how it shook me to my very core. The idea of standing here and knowing there would be no anointing. This missionary said, a final word came from the Lord. If you do not straighten this thing out before you go on that trip, you may expect to fail, for I cannot go with you. He said, that humbled me. He said, I did not want to go on that difficult trip without God's help. So the night before I was to start the trip, I had to lead a prayer meeting for the Chinese Christians. All the way to church, the pressure continued. Go straighten this thing out so that I may go with you to the outstations. Still, I would not yield. This is what he wrote. He said, I started the meeting. He said, it was all right while they sang. It was okay during the reading of scripture. But as soon as I opened my mouth in prayer, I became confused. He said, for all the time, the spirit kept saying, you hypocrite, why don't you straighten this thing out? He said, I became more troubled while delivering a short talk on prayer. Finally, he said, halfway through his talk, the burden became utterly intolerable and he yielded. He said, Lord, I promised him my heart, as soon as this meeting is over, I'll go make the matter right. He said, instantly, something in the audience seemed to snap. He said, in a moment, the atmosphere changed in that place. He said, upon, meet, upon the meeting being thrown open for prayer, one after another, people ran forward to pray, only to break down weeping. And these were his words. He said, for almost... 20 years we missionaries had longed to see one tear of repentance flow down a Chinese cheek and had not seen one until that night he said it was late at night when the meeting closed and as soon as I could I hastened to the house of my brother missionary the difficulty was settled and because I was led of the Spirit and obeyed the Lord, the blessings on my tour to the outstations far exceeded anything I had dared to hope for. And he ended his letter by saying, Revival begins 
with our obedience towards God. And we cannot be obedient if we are not humble and filled with pride. Church, that obedience comes walking humbly with God. And I'm convinced we're on the precipice of seeing a mighty outpouring like never have we seen before. And some of us have seen some mighty great things. God said, eye has not seen and ear has not heard, nor has that entered into the hearts of men, the things that I have prepared for you. And that's not in heaven, that's now, even now. Let us pray and ask Holy Spirit, is there any area of pride that we've declared off limits to him? Is there anything in our life that we are yet to surrender completely to him? If so, we're we can be just like the missionary. We can get up and we can sing and we can read scripture and we can talk. But the very presence of God, the, the kabod, the glory, the honor, the majesty of his presence will be withheld. Right now, if there's anything that needs to be brought before God right where you're at. It's between you and the Lord. Right where you're at right now. Repent of that pride. Repent of that false humility. Repent. Repent. God the psalmist said search my heart oh God search my heart and see if there be any wicked way in me God come and search our hearts now Lord in fact I'm just going to open the front of the church up if you want to come Take a moment to come before the Lord and take that sin of pride and put it on his altar and help send the fire and consume it, burn it out of your life. Lord, we live, come, we come before you. We humbly wait and say, Lord. Forgive us for our foolishness. Forgive us for our foolhardiness. We recognize that without you, God, we, we wouldn't even have a life. We would be damned for all eternity. Instead, we're able to come and enter into your presence, enter into that place of glory, to come into the place of the joy of the Lord, that the very presence of who you are we sense your presence here holy spirit 
show us peel back the curtains peel back open the 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 the, the secret places lord and reach inside let your light shine upon it and let us repent for god we give you everything we open the door and say uh, god search show me that i might walk humbly with you recognizing God you're not going to excuse you're not going to overlook those things that are prideful in our life God forgive us for making excuses for our sin forgive us oh God for you have shown us what we're to do that we are to love mercy and walk humbly with you God you're the very essence of mercy and grace I feel, I, I feel impressed in my heart that there's some people in here that you walked in this place and you felt like that in, in some manner that you are not worthy of being called a child of the living God. That the enemy had planted that seed of doubt, that lie, and you've battled it time and time and time again every time you failed every time you've fallen every time you sin the enemy has said see see there it is there it is you're not a child of god you walked in here with that that heaviness upon you that lie that that deceitful thing has latched onto you over years of time but God said I don't want you to walk out of here today carrying that thing I want to set you free right now if that's you I want you to stand to your feet right where you're at if you're able to stand stand to your feet if you can't stand then wave but I want to pray for you right now wherever you are I want to pray for you right now who are you where are you anyone in here at all you 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 you've just felt that times that you were not worthy that God couldn't possibly call you his child and you didn't feel there's one who else who else anyone else there's another one thank you thank you for being brave thank you for being brave this is your day to be set free this is your day for God to set you free this is your day I said this is your day not tomorrow not next week not at the end of next week not two weeks from now not a month from now this day you will walk out of here totally set free the chains will be broken off there's another one who else who else who else right now Jesus came to set you free there's another one there's another one you felt like you can't measure up to God's standards nobody can measure up to God's standards Jesus paid the price 
He paid the price for us that we might be free. Says those that know the truth shall know the truth and shall be free, shall be set free. The truth shall set you free. Who else? Anyone else? We're going to pray. We're getting, we're getting ready to pray right now. Anybody else? I'm telling you, go walk out. Your whole mindset's going to be changed. Your attitude's going to be changed. God's going to rip that lie off of you. Take it out of you. Because the word today's been like a scalpel and it's cut right through you. And God's going to reach in and pull that cancer out of you. That lie. Anyone else? I see four people standing in here. If you're, if you're sitting around them, or maybe if you're not, would you go over to them right now? Would you go over, put your hand on them right now? Do not embarrass them. Do not, we're going to pray. You say, why are we doing this? The Bible says there's power in agreement. There's, there's authority in agreement wherever two or three are gathered. Well, guess what, devil? There's more than two or three here. In fact, God plus one is a majority anyway. You got the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and one believer. That's a majority. And we're taking authority over this lie right now. I mean, it has been a lie that has taunted and torn at these individuals' hearts and lives. And in Jesus' name, we come against this lie right now. Father, we break it off of them. We cancel those words that have been spoken against them, that have led them to carry this weight, this burden, all their lives. From the youngest to the oldest, God, we separate that lie off of them. We break it off of them now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God said, I will show my favor. I will lean in toward you. I am for you. I am not against you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. You tell the devil right now, I am a child of God. Use your own words right now. You say, I am a child of God. I'm not a stepchild. I am a child of the King. I am a child of the Lord of Lords. I am His child. He has bought me. He has paid the price. He has written my name in His name. My name is in His book. I am a part of God's family tree. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, there's Holy Ghost surgery going on right now. Right now, God, Jesus, let it rise like incense, my whole life fragrance every ounce broken at your feet every breath and offering and my heart cries these lungs sing over you 
my worthy King of Kings. Thank you, Lord. So here it is, my alabaster. Thank you, Lord. Come on. Come on, church. Let's praise Him now. Nothing back from who Lives are walking out changed. No hidden treasure filled. The Word. The Spirit. His life, a lifetime worth of worship, and it's only just a start. Let it rise Jesus. like incense, my whole life, Jesus. a fragrance every ounce, Hallelujah. broken at your feet, every breath and offering. Oh, my heart cries, these lungs sing over you, and worthy King of kings. If you need healing in your body, I want you to come right now and let us pray for you. You need healing in your body. Come on. Come stand right here so we know who you are. You need healing in your body. Come on. You guys come pray for them right now. Come on. Come on, what? Look, there's another one coming behind you there, Pastor Josh. There's another one coming behind you. You know where it is? Somebody took it. <laughs> okay. Anoint him with oil. Anoint him with oil. Let it rise like incense. My whole life fragrance every house. You're broken at your feet. Come on. Every breath you need healing. The Bible says His word. He sent His word, and He healed them. By His stripes we are healed. rise like incense. My whole life a fragrance. Every house here broken at Your feet. Let it rise. Like incense, my whole life, fragrance, every ounce, you're broken Jesus. at your feet. And he every went about breath, rebuke and offering, all who are oppressed of the devil. These lungs sing over you. His name my is greater than every other name. There's no sickness, no disease with a name greater than the name of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah. All my love, all my love, you can have it all. All my love, all my love, all my love, you can have it all. All my heart, all my soul, all I own, you can have it all. All my heart. We give it soul. to you now, Lord. All we give you own, everything. You can have it all. All my love. All my love. All my love. You can have it all. Thank you, Lord. Let it rise like incense. My whole life a fragrance every hour. Here broken at your Hallelujah. feet. Hallelujah. Every breath and 
Hallelujah. 